You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost to like to wander. Hey, we all know I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC. With me is the pretty okay Kiki over there. And today, we're going to be talking about ghosts. Rick Reardon has ruined trying to look up mythology on the internet. And who is? I mean, the books are great and all. What what books? Don't get me who wrong. Is, who's Rick? But you have to be super careful when trying to do any research. He's literally touched on every single fucking mythology, and it's annoying. Who Who is, who is this person? He is the author of the Percy Jackson series at all because there's a whole bunch other there is he it is guys you gotta be super careful not to accidentally hit Rick Reardon's wiki page concerning all of the mythology because here's the thing he did a fantastic job of it his backgrounds his information for these books is based on true mythology so that's all I'm gonna say so it's kind of like how whenever I do paranormal research, all the long nights and long days of sitting in front of a computer and reading through paranormal essays and, and research that I do myself. <clears throat> Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, so you actually did research even for this episode? Ooh, I went necessarily say that much it's because you did tell everybody what we were going to talk about yeah i did ghosts <laughs> so but um so you better have gotten that right you better have actually researched ghosts oh yeah i definitely did i definitely did research on ghosts the, yeah the show Continue. supernatural has fucked looking into the supernatural without supernatural same thing with buffy honestly but yeah. I love Buffy, so I'm not going to hold it against them. Supernatural's kind of a garbage show. <gasps> what? You heard me. Well, it's a good thing that 50% of this podcast believes that Supernatural is one of the best things ever on TV because we might have lost a whole bunch of listeners if I. It's don't a say good that. thing that I don't give a shit about any opinions that come from Supernatural fans. Aww. That's actually not true. Most of you guys are fantastic true. people. There's uh, a few hardcore psychos out there, but that's with every fandom. But uh, for the most part, uh, Supernatural, season one and two, were fantastic. Look, I'm in. I I need to catch up because I had the kid, and ever since then, you don't you don't need to catch up. Television hasn't been. No, I want to because I love you Misha know. Collins. He's just awesome. No, I good. do I do Gish every year. Hey guys, if you don't know what Gish is, look it up. It's a great charity to do. We have a blast, and yeah, Gish. Anyway, so we're coming up on episode 20 here, and JC and I decided to backtrack a little bit um, and talk about some things that we probably should have addressed, like, in episode one or two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is a ghost? Yeah, like... We, Something I'll punch in the face. Like, we... I think we approached this with yeah. the people who are, are going to listen to us already know what a ghost is. But, however, 
interestingly enough, I did a little poll on Twitter and um, at the right before the close of it, we had 34 of you guys get to answer because it was a very short poll. It was only up there for like uh, two days. Yeah, that's where all the ladies say about me. Right. Oh, God. <laughs> Ow. It hurts. Actually, That doesn't. joke hurt me. Oh. Okay. So... <laughs> So on our poll, 71% of you said that you have seen a ghost of some kind. I wasn't surprised by those numbers. They're actually higher than the average, and we're going to talk about that average later. But let's face it, people who are listening to us right now are people who are into ghosts and spooky stuff. So it's going to gauge a little bit higher. But I did want to say thank you to the 29% of you that are listening, despite the fact that you haven't seen any ghosts whatsoever no they've that's only seen bigfoots cool. well it's that's what i'm saying it's <laughs> they could have seen cryptoids or something but we don't really get to talk about those that much because we are primarily a haunted pennsylvania podcast I mean, yeah we're going to talk a little bit about pennsylvania cryptids but there's not as many of those as there are haunted locations just yeah. you know they're just not all right, so we're going to take our quick break for our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to be doing Ghosts 101. Hi, I'm Cassie. I'm Tiffany. And we're the hosts of Happy Hour Gets Weird. On our podcast, we talk all things weird, like UFOs, Bigfoot, astrology, ghosts, and even true crime. And every episode, we create a fabulous new cocktail. So fabulous. If you're looking for a little weirdness, please search Happy Hour Gets Weird on your favorite podcast platform. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Welcome back. Welcome to class, kids. Your professor today is Professor Kiki, and you're in class Ghost 101. Get ready for some learning. All right, guys. Here we go. As JC turns his mic off. I am getting... No. <laughs> Shut up. Dave, she takes a nap. You're going to be tested later. So the, the manifestation of a spirit, even that of a departed loved one, was usually not a cause for celebration. The dead needed to stay that way. They needed to stay in their own realm. Crossing over into the land of the living was seen as a sign of something wrong, something that needed to be put right. Only then could the ghost return to its eternal rest. This theme of unrest prevails throughout ancient history from Mesopotamia, Egypt, Greece, Rome, China, India. And what causes the dead to be restless? Usually the big ones are improper burial or funeral rites, drowning deaths in which a body is never recovered, murder, in which the body was never found especially, avenging said murder, or just good old unfinished business were all fantastic reasons for the gods to release your spirit from the afterlife to pop in on the living. There is also a popular theory that ghosts are among us at all times and that all spirits require are the right set of circumstances and the right group of people for them to reveal themselves. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. The right group of people. Oh, like psychics or ghost, mediums. Like ghost hunters, yes, oh. or, or paranormal investigators or mediums or people who are sensitive. All right, so let's just talk for one second about what the paranormal is. And the basic definition is denoting events or phenomenon that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. I don't mind this definition. It's short and to the point. And it covers a lot of things. Yes. It's very. It, okay, so you like this definition. It's, is yeah, it, it's a good definition. Right. Well-rounded. So I didn't get to talk to you about this. This is going to be new information for you, and I think you're going to find it interesting. Okay, I'm in. 
Um, I was reading a BBC Future article. So that's that's online. It's called BBC Future. You can look it up. Uh, this one's from 2014. Uh, I can link that in at some point for you guys on Facebook, I think, is where I'm going to put that. It was about how the belief in the paranormal was not such a quote-unquote bad thing. That many famously intelligent people like Winston Churchill, Alan Turing, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, they all believed in the paranormal. Three quarters of America alone believes in the paranormal in one form or another, and one in five people claim to have seen a ghost. Psychology has long tried to find a reality-based solution to these claims, and sometimes there are very good medical explanations for them, such as epilepsy or damage to the right brain hemisphere. The one intriguing concept that psychology has developed over the years is that our brains scramble to look for answers when we encounter chaos and that we shield ourselves from that chaos by creating an illusionary world. Another concept is that skeptics have an easier time quashing coincidences than believers. They can just move on from the situation and think of something else. But don't get too excited about that thought because experiments have already proven that believers do better on tests when bringing their lucky trinket with them. It may be that we are super great at tricking our own minds, but those of us who are superstitious or believers in the paranormal perform better when doing our rituals or bringing a lucky rabbit's foot to a test. And my favorite experiment was when a group of people were given EVP recordings to listen to, and even the skeptics heard something. Now, of course, what that proves is that the power of suggestion works even on those who think it doesn't. But I also like the idea that then none of us are truly immune to the power of suggestion, including skeptics. Thoughts? Comments? Yeah, so uh, that's interesting. I'll say this. Go at the paranormal with a skeptical mind. When you see or feel something, try and find the logical solution before you jump to a ghost. I think the power of suggestion is is very real to, to kind of follow up on your last statement there. I think what a skeptic would then say, well, yeah, the power of suggestion is true, but that doesn't mean that they're having the lucky rabbit's foot doesn't mean anything. You could have a lucky eraser or like there's no power in the object. It's just your mind. So why do you care about the object? But isn't that what magic is? No. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. It's... If I make a charm bag, for example, I place certain material in there that means something significant to me, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just say cinnamon and clove and some kind of stone, like tiger's eye or agate, something like that. And then... um I charge that with my own intent, my own energy. That's the concept, right? So your belief that the objects inside the bag mean something plus your like charging energy, that's what magic is. That's, you know, so you're bringing that to life with your own power of intent, you're, you know? So, so here's, here's the thing. Did you know that if you are in a class and you're chewing, let's say, mint-flavored gum. The teacher's going over what's going to be on the test the next day. Chew a flavor gum, and then chew the same flavor gum the next day. You will get better marks on that test than somebody that doesn't. 
the taste of the gum and the action of chewing is going to help you remember because you were doing both of those things when you were learning the information. So when you're doing these rituals, are you now associating the information that you're supposed to be learning with the sense or with the object? So when you see the object, is it just reminding you and your mind that like, oh, X is B, like it, whatever, you know, but I'm very skeptical of this because my name is JC. All I see is that the mind can be tricked in various ways. I don't see that any of it actually matters. Like you can have your your pouch of magic magical stuff or I can have my lucky eraser. We're both having the same result. So does your thing actually matter? No. But does your thing actually matter? You're, no. you're telling me that you have a lucky eraser. But it's lucky. It's lucky, <laughs> but it's not lucky. Like, it's lucky because what it does is it reminds me of what I used it. All it's doing is bringing up information in my mind that's already there. Now, if somehow I had never learned about George Washington and on a test, there's a question asking who is George Washington? And I hold my lucky eraser and all of a sudden that information jolts through my mind. That's magic. But to recall information that was probably already taught to you, that's something completely different than magic. This is a tough subject. Yeah, see, there's no real way around it because the, the results are there from people who are doing a blind study. Yes. They're just showing that if you truly believe that your object is going to bring you good luck in the test, then you're going to test better than everyone else. It's there. So, it's in stone, man. Yeah, because you're going in with a positive can-do attitude. <laughs> I'm not even, like, I know I say that a lot to be a jackass, but, like, I'm not even kidding. You're going in knowing you have an edge or believing you have an edge. So now you're believing in yourself more. You're going to be more confident of your answers. You're going to be more confident of the results than somebody that might just be, like, not having that extra little edge. But once there's a lot, it's still, like, it's not giving you new information. If, once again, if any of these things... Any of these lucky charms or magic or whatnot runes. I just have to say it. You got my lucky charms. <laughs> gave you information that was not previously known and that helped you on the test. That's very interesting. Like that would be significantly interesting to me. So let's get back to ghosts. Yeah, ghosts I believe in. I, I'm going to come over there and smack the shit out of you. <laughs> So I'm going to give you guys a general definition of ghosts, and then we're going to talk about a few ancient cultural ideas of ghosts. I want to recognize all the cultures who are listening, but I also want to show that almost every culture has some kind of ghost or spirit. And it's the one thing that really binds us together as humans. If there's a culture out there that someone can tell me that does not believe in spirits of any kind, let me know. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know of any. Yeah. It's like ghosts dragons which is creepy and weird hmm. like you see both of those angelic-esque force and a demonic-esque force 
please don't assume that I'm only talking about Christian Christianity with those terms, but I'm using them as they're the ones I'm most comfortable with. There seems to always, in every culture, have some very common themes, which is interesting, because a lot of these cultures can be separated by huge spans of space. And uh, as I'm about to show you, yeah, and and different environments like oceans, which were impossible to cross for a very long time. Okay, so the basic definition, which is our you know Funk and Wagnalls definition here, it's a a ghost is an apparition of a dead person, which is believed to appear or become manifest to the living, typically as a nebulous image. Another definition is almost exactly the same, except that it includes animals as having spirits. And that seems to be a huge bone of contention. Is there a difference between a spirit and a ghost? Do animals have spirits? In my research, it totally depends on the culture and the tradition. And some are much more complicated than others as we're about to get into. So hold on to your butts, kids, because this is going to be, this is where we're going to get super historical. And I'm going to start in Mesopotamia. For those of you who have forgotten, JC... Mesopotamia (laughs) (laughs) was the culture that sprang up between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Today, we know that as parts of Iraq, Kuwait, eastern Syria, and southeastern Turkey. Did you, um, just quick JC fun fact, do you know why they call it the Tigris River? Because the mouth of it sounds like a bunch. I believe it's a thousand tigers roaring. I'm going to look that up because I've never heard that before in my life. Yeah, yeah, it's 100% true. JC fact. But if it is true, that is actually really cool. Yeah, that's why it's called that, even though it's spelled completely different. (laughs) It's a JC fact, guys. (laughs) I know it's not real because it's a JC fact. You don't have to say that. Okay, so in Mesopotamia, the afterlife sucked, but it was also fair. To be fair, the actual life in mesopotamia also by today's standards sucked nah, it, they no. had to walk miles for like everything okay yeah, uh, they were lived in in the i can drive. fertile crescent i drove for a, a reason thousand miles in oh, 20 hours God, how oh fast no. did these motherfuckers go anyway the land of the dead called Erkala, the land of no return and they meant it mm-hmm. not even the goddess inanna goddess of heaven could get out of Urkala. Well, at least not without asking to have a stand-in. <laughs> and there is a poem that you can read called The Descent of Inanna. And Urkala was a total drag. Souls lived in darkness. They ate dirt and they drank from mud puddles. But everyone wound up there. So it did not matter if you were good or bad, if you or a king, or a queen, or a god, or goddess, you wound up there. I mean, honestly, it's like super fair, right? Although it, it totally sucks. I don't want to live down there. It's not super fair. Fair would be everyone else except me rewinding up there. Uh-huh. And me having heaven, essentially. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, so, all to myself. so hold on. As because as with everything that has no exceptions. There's exceptions. There's exceptions. <laughs> if the soul needed to complete a mission... A wrongdoing that happened in life, for example. Eresh Kigal, the ruler of Erkala, would see in her dark heart to let you go back to the living world to exact revenge or to talk to your family. But kind of her. not in the way that you might think. Oh, 
ghosts manifested themselves as diseases in the living. Oh. And so when you were sick, it was your own fault for some wrongdoing that you did to someone who was dead, unless otherwise proven. And of course, there was another exception. Upon your death, a giddim was created. Basically, you're a ghost. And the giddim would go back to haunt those who did not perform proper rituals or if they'd been murdered. And if the giddim was harassing the living for no good reason, and this is my favorite one, uh, the sun god Shamash would take away your funeral goods and give them to another giddim who had no one to remember them. Yeah, so it was it was very ancestry based. So if all your family was dead and your giddim was just wandering around, it was seen as fair to do that. Ninety percent of the time, a ghost in Mesopotamia was seen as a nuisance and was removed by charms, spells, or curses. So, did not like ghosts in Mesopotamia. Get the hell out. This is a this is a quick question. Would you consider a Catholic exorcism to be a spell? Oh. It's funny that you should ask that question. Is it? Because we're going to be going to Egypt next. Yeah, but I, I just want a yes or no to this. Ah. It, you can cut this entire thing no, 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 no. I this just want to know what your opinion this, on this no, is. No, this is actually, you did good. This is a really good okay. question. Because when I get down to the parts here of the soul, there is a curse that is basically an exorcism. Okay. And so, yes, it's a spell. Okay. Yeah, 100%. I would go all the way back to Egyptian magic for this one because this this I believe this is exactly where the idea of exorcism comes from well it makes sense because the Egyptians enslaved the Jewish population and then a lot of Jewish myth and Hebrew Hebrew myth is very related or descendant from Egyptian mythology so then when it became Christianity they took a lot of their mythologies and beliefs from the Jewish mythology. Catholicism is one of the largest sects of Christianity. So it makes sense that uh, they like you can trace it back. And it goes vice versa. You're right about the Jewish influence, but it went the other way as well. Akhenaten, who nobody knew about as a pharaoh who was ostracized and was Tutankhamun's father, he believed in only one god. And he got rid of all of the gods and goddesses, the entire pantheon, and moved the capital out into the desert. I mean, this, I could do a whole show just on Akhenaten because Egyptology is my jam. But he was seen as a heretic for that. And they believe that he was getting his information from Jewish prisoners, basically. Mm -hmm. And the Aten was his god. It was the sun god. <laughs> Mm. The reason why we didn't even know about him was because after he died, they erased him from history. The artwork during that time completely changes as well. It's called the Armana period. If you guys want to look it up, it is super cool as the artwork is just completely different. They also believe that Akhenaten had Marfan syndrome because of the way his head is shaped in all of the uh, hieroglyphs and any images of himself and King Tut's throne that was in his tomb. That is from the Armana period. Anyway, yeah, so uh, that influence went both ways. Yeah. Yay, Egypt. I love you. Actually, just saw that Egypt had popped up on our Spotify list. So apparently we have at least one listener out there. Thanks. Uh, You're wonderful. You are wonderful. So ancient Egypt, the entire world was built on magic. Everything had magic. 
the human body was no different. Imagine that you have multiple facets of yourself. Easy, because I do. And if you lead a virtuous life, uh-huh. each of those facets can be accessed in the afterlife. And some can help promote the people that you love that are still alive. Some can even exact revenge on those who wronged you. Yes, those ones will be busy for me. Okay, guys, we're going to give the short version of this today. I'm not going to do a full lesson because it's insane. There are nine parts of the soul for Egyptians. Each one has their own duties and their own roles. I'm going to tell you all of them, but we're only going to talk about five that are sort of important to talking about ghosts. There's three directive souls, the Ak, the Ba, and the Ka. There's three intermediary energies, the Ran or Ren, the Jab or the Hati, and the Shut or the Kabit. And then there's three executive elements, the Sekhem, the Sanhu, and the Nakt or Sat. We're only going to focus on five of those. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Ren Nefer. And that was your secret name given to you as a person at birth. The gods would know this name. You would continue to live on as long as you were remembered. I thought that we were definitely going to talk about Kylo Ren. Why would I talk about Kylo Ren? Because I think that that's exactly where they got Ren from. Think about from it. Raw? No, from from the secret name. The idea of the Ren. Your Ren Nefer, your secret name. Oh, and maybe. You could yeah, only be, I, didn't, I didn't put those two see, together. See, and you could only be, you could only stay alive as long as you were remembered that secret name was remembered right i just i don't know i just thought it was interesting that they chose ren as the the second name for i'm gonna that, say they thought know? it just sounded cool yeah maybe hey i thought it was a worth a mention we're a bunch of geeks here yeah that's fair okay so um the next one is called the ib and that is your meso- metaphysical heart now to the ancient egyptians it was the focus of all emotion thought will and intention They understood it as the seat of the soul, which is why it was mummified and not the brain. After death, it's weighed against the feather of truth. If the spirit passes the test, it was blessed with Aru, which is Egyptian paradise or the field of reeds, also the Western land. If it failed, the heart was eaten by Amit, the devourer. So this is probably where we get the idea of even today of like you have a lot of heart and where your intentions lie. A lot, a lot of times, like people will talk about your heart, your heart's not in it. You know, they did not understand that the brain was where a lot of activity like that happened. Like, so when they mummified you, they would stick Tweezers. a metal, basically yeah. it was a long metal rod with a little hook on the end of it. They'd stick it up there and up your nose and um, jiggle it around and make the brains all squishy. And then they would just come out your nose because why mummify it? It wasn't important. <laughs> I love Egyptians so much. <laughs> I love that we're talking about all their mythology as though like it's sacred. And then you bring that up. It, and it is just, sacred. It. I mean, okay. I guess, I'm just saying like it wasn't. But it's not, it's not like, you know, they true. were They were, anyway. they were not well informed. And yet they were like some of the best uh, doctors and they had a very good understanding of medicine and the body because they were mummifying people. They were examining it. They were taking the lungs out. They understood how all those things worked and that they were all necessary for your body to return, which is why they were taken out and mummified separately because hold on, wait until I get to the next ones. They're going to be super important. Okay, I'll stop interrupting. Okay, so the ba was the notion of your personality. Everything that makes you unique, it is your quote unquote reality-based friend. 
it's the promise of a noble afterlife and note that all living creatures including gods possess the ba so your ba your personality not only does it make you unique but it's there to kind of get you through stuff want to know who has the the best or the most ba oh boy sheep so the next is the ka <laughs> Ooh, crows. <laughs> Completely. No, not caw. Ka. It is the vital fire or spark that distinguishes living people from the dead. Warm versus cold, literally. The ka could be used in spell work, but it was believed that you would die if the spell was performed incorrectly. So you could be a priest and try to perform this like powerful spell using your own vital force. Except if you didn't do it right, you could accidentally kill yourself. The ka is also left behind in the grave after someone dies. It represented physical needs such as hunger. One would leave food at the gravesite of a loved one to ensure the ka did not leave and seek out other means of nourishment. Some families even hired a ka servant so that they made sure that there was always food out there. And I'm not even joking. They, they would build little tiny houses inside of the grave, inside of a tomb, so the ka had a place to live because it never left the grave. Well, it wasn't supposed to anyway, mm -hmm. right? We have this idea of hunger. We're going to be talking about that when we get a little bit further down in a different culture, two different cultures that have hunger ghosts. So... The last one that's super important and I think is kind of the coolest and is going to go right into what we're going to talk to in our very next episode after this one is the shut. And that's the person's shadow or silhouette. Ooh, I wonder what we're talking about in our right? next episode. Episode 20, man. It's going to suck, actually. Anyway. What? It's, it's all my stories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good amount of my stories. And other it is because I other things, educational yep. stuff. Sure it is. I'm working on it. So Egyptians believed that the shadow somehow contained part of the essence of a person. And it could be used to perform a, wait for it, shadow execration. Even more powerful than a standard execration. And if you're wondering what that is, it is an extremely uh, simple definition here. But it's basically magical curses and rituals to ward off evil spirits. The shadow was also a backup copy of yourself. Wait, so were these things to get rid of shadows or to get them? Interesting or that both. it's sort of the shut was something that needed to be protected, but could also be used to protect. So I think when they're talking about shadow execration, they're actually trying to use someone's shadow in order to perform magic that is either a curse to protect you're cursing something else to protect yourself so but it could also be used to try to get rid of the shadow depending on what was happening because it's the same concept as everybody else these things should not be wandering around harassing people and bothering people and i'm going to get into that in a minute one. too so i have a theory okay uh oh so i i know a good amount of shadow people's stuff shadow people creatures some are hostile and like you feel an evil presence when they're around however some are opposite where you feel protected and safe when they're around as though they're a guardian i wonder people who see a shadow person on the regular if it's the shadow of one of their ancestors that is still protecting or 
cursing the bloodline because these things, who knows what their timeline is. So I'm, I'm very curious. <laughs> One of the things that I couldn't quite get to for this particular episode was the execration texts. Like I, I can get them. I already have the Egyptian book of the dead. So whatever, but that, and that's where all this, most of those spells come from. I was going to say, I think that the Egyptians were onto something recognizing though, that the soul even had this shadow part of it, which is not only a copy, but can be used for warding magic is very intriguing to me. And I want to know more about what the spells were behind it. Cause I do know some of it. I, I know that some of this began being used in funeral rites. Okay. The idea was to write your spell on a red clay pot, and then you would smash the pot. At funerals, they even had pot handlers. <laughs> red clay pot handlers. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they would be responsible for smashing them. And then supposedly once the clay pot is smashed and the spell is released and then blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, we... So for that, for the Shadow People episode that's coming up, I'm going to do some research on that to see. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, that was what I was going to do anyway. That's a very intriguing connection that I was not aware of. I also thought our listeners would think some of this stuff was really cool because I have not heard so far anybody doing paranormal stuff so far. have not heard anybody going this far back and talking about how ghosts appear in all these cultures and the fact that Egyptian magic is still being used today. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole sex of magic users today. I'm not one of them, but I do find it very intriguing. So, so anyway, are there Egyptian ghost stories? Well, uh, hell yeah, there is. If the living were harassed by a ghost, they would have to plead their case directly to the spirit in hopes that they would get a reasonable response. And if they didn't, a priest had to be called in to intervene and judge between the living and the dead. And if you were found guilty of the crime against the ghost, well, you were fucked. <laughs> like, there's nothing you can do about it. Oh, I'm sorry. So you actually did kill that guy? You're fucked. You're haunted for the rest of your life and possibly even after. Who knows? Because you killed the guy and then you lied about it. When your heart gets weighed against a feather... Yeah, you're probably going to get eaten by the devourer, you know, just just so you know. There's also an example of a husband who wrote a letter to his dead wife pleading with her to stop haunting him because he hadn't done anything wrong. And this is really freaking sad, guys. Uh, I'm going to read this because it's it's truly kind of heartbreaking and it's not very long. He wrote this and put it in her grave and that's how we have this. What wicked thing have I done to thee that I should have come to this evil pass? What have I done to thee? But what thou hast done to me is to have laid hands on me, although I have nothing wicked to thee. From the time I lived with thee as husband down to today, what have I done to thee that I need hide? When thou didst get sick with the illness which thou hadst, I caused a master physician to be fetched. I spent eight months without eating and drinking like a man. I wept exceedingly together with my household in front of my street quarter. I gave linen wraps to thee and left no benefit undone that had to be performed for thee. And now behold, I have spent three years alone without entering into a house, though it is not right that one like me should have to do it. This have I done for thy sake, but behold, thou dost not know good from bad. I thought that was really freaking sad. (laughs) 
Yeah. But that poor guy getting haunted by his wife is just like, I don't know what I did wrong. I did everything I was supposed to. I feel like now he'd be a country songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Or blues. I could see him as a blues. Be a blues, yeah. See, there weren't there wasn't enough tractors or dogs in it to be country, <laughs> so All right, definitely yeah. blues, yeah. Definitely a sad, sad little poem there. Leaving Egypt, we're just gonna move right into ancient Greece and Rome. And I'm going to go over this kind of quick because a lot of people will be more familiar, I think, with Roman and Greek than Egyptian. So for Greeks, if you died, and this is where this is going to sound super familiar, probably. There's even kind of a song about it. You gave a coin to the ferryman. Mm -hmm. You probably don't know that song. I think you're too young for it. Don't pay the ferryman Uh, until he's gotten you to the other side. Toss a coin to your witcher? No. Oh. No. God damn millennials not knowing yeah, good music of a shot in them face. Yeah. Uh, so you had your soul judged. There were three judges. And then you went to one of three places. You either went to the Elysian Fields if you were uh, a warrior who died in battle. So that was like super easy. You just you just went there. If you were a good person, you went to the Plains of Asphodel. And if you were bad, you went to Tartarus. Except that no soul was condemned to eternal damnation. You could get out of Tartarus if you learned your lesson there. Then you could go on to the, the Plains of Asphodel. And as with all these ancient stories, you were not supposed to come back. The only difference is that the Romans believed a lot of this with different names attached, yeah. right? It's almost they just like changed. They it's like they stole, stole the entire mythology from the Greeks. Yeah. Whatever. Hey, they steal from the best. They had a deeper belief in ghosts, though. There's actually a comedy called The Haunted House by Plautus, and it is really funny. It's even funnier, though, if you understand a little bit about Roman ghosts. Is that one of the new Adam Sandler movies? I swear to God. <laughs> I think I've already said it once in this episode. I'm going to come over there, slap shit out of you. And the story is funny because it does not hold to the conventions that Romans held about ghosts. First of all, a murdered man would appear only by torchlight. Okay. Yeah. Just remember that. And because a ghost of this kind could only be seen by torchlight. So if you're murdered, there's only one way that you're ever going to be seen. And then a loved one will only appear in a dream. And this type of haunting would be because someone had to put something right that was wrong. Okay. So you would fall asleep and then this ghost would appear in the dream. And this particular type of dream was then not seen as a dream it was literally seen as a haunting to them that makes sense right now it's interesting because the same concept that the romans had is mirrored in chinese culture okay so you again same thing in chinese culture you only get ghosts if you die in battle if you drown if you die alone if you suffer a death in which you can't be properly buried i mean that goes all the way back to just the ideas of ghosts in general. Yeah. And they could only be seen at torchlight as well. Kind of weird. Interesting. Right? And your ancestors only appear to you in dreams. And only if you needed to be told something very specific by them. Hey. (laughs) Stop. Wearing. My dress. (laughs) Doesn't look good on you. I did not get too deep into... Japanese ghosts. Um, oh, good, because I've seen those movies and they are fucked up. I'll add that in, in just now because we're talking about China and, and it was completely different cultures, but still, they do hold sort of that same 
those same ideas anyway. Just the basic tenet that you're not supposed to come back. Yeah. You know, they also had in China, they have hungry ghosts. And those are the ancestors who have been forgotten or those who were murdered and their killers have not been brought to justice yet. So very, very specific. What I find interesting, though, about Chinese culture and ghosts is this. Ghosts were considered a reality by the Chinese philosopher Mo Ti, and this is 470 to 391 BCE. He argued in favor of accepting the report of the ghosts of the minister Tu Po returning from the afterlife and assassinating Zhuan, king of Shou. And I'm giving you the short interpretation of this, and a lot of this stuff can be found on Ancient History Encyclopedia Online, which is a very good source for this stuff. Moti reasoned that when people who are reliable and intelligent, right, if they tell you anything, they should be believed. And that also went for ghosts, that you should believe them if they tell you they've seen this thing, that there should be no reason for you not to believe them. You should believe them. Uh, always be skeptical. That's what I'll say. Okay. I would say once somebody has earned my trust, I'm significantly more likely to believe them. That is, but but if they say something that's stupid, was going with that. Well, yeah. And if I they're get it. a trusted person. And he, he, it's a lot more complicated than that. He goes into like, if someone goes somewhere to a foreign country and comes back and explains to you mechanisms of how a machine works in that country, something you've never seen before, mm-hmm. then you would believe them. Yeah. Right? So you should do the same thing with people who tell you they've seen a ghost. That's fair. <laughs> I, I love mean, that see- reasoning. I love it. I'm like, thank you, Moti. Seems logical to me. Ah, Chinese philosophy. And also your food's amazing. But anyway, uh, for the sake of brevity, we're going to skim through the surface of the rest of these cultures because uh, some of them, again, you probably have known. Like, they're knowable stuff. So I'm just going to hit on a few of the points. So we do have listeners in India. Thank you, India. Uh, They have hungry ghosts as well. They have their feet turned backwards and are called boots. B-H-O-O-T-S. I hope I'm saying that right. I think it's boots. They will try to inhabit the living or their corpses. So eventually this was explained as a reason why cremation was the way to go. uh, So that a ghost couldn't inhabit their dead bodies. Mm -hmm. And then have them walking around. I can't really blame them for that. But ghosts are also known to inhabit not just houses, but entire cities. And there's a very famous site which is called Benjara Fort in Rajasthan, which is an abandoned city and thought to be inhabited by nothing but ghosts. The Mayans, they had ghosts. There were even lords of the dead who would trick spirits who were trying to get to paradise. The Aztecs, same deal. Although they even had a gloomy place as the afterlife, just like the Mesopotamians did. And no one should ever come back. And interestingly, the Aztecs believed that dogs specifically could see ghosts and would protect the living from the dead. I'll say whenever someone tells me a story or a tale and a dog is involved, an animal really, and the animal reacts, I'm significantly more likely to believe it. Yeah, I was going to say some of the things though that we even believe as Americans because we are such a mesh of 
all of these cultures, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're believers in paranormal or anything paranormal, a lot of it is going to be found in all these cultures, which is why I'm just kind of like picking some of these things out here. Of course, Mesoamerica, the dead are revered, and this eventually becomes El Dia de los Muertes, Day of the Dead, which, of course, the Christians co-opted from a corn ritual that was done by the Mesoamericans who were revering their dead and then the date was changed so that it would coincide with what we've already talked about, Samhain. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to get into the Celtic and Northern beliefs in this one, guys, because we've already talked about this at length in episode three. So go back and uh, listen to that one because we did Samhain, Alile Weitzel, and the Wild Hunt, which is the big three for the afterlife or talking about the afterlife. I know that I have heathens listening and I know you guys are going to be like, I can't believe you didn't get more into what the Vikings belief was at the end. Yeah, we already know it. (laughs) We already know it. We know it. So I'm just going to, I'm going to skip past my own belief system on this one. I did watch a really interesting movie. I believe it's called Draugr. Oh yeah. It's on Drugger. Yes. It's on, um, Amazon. At least that's where I watched it. <clears throat> I know of the movie. It is. It is good. I recommend it. It's a uh, Norse-ish. Yeah. Uh, I know of this movie. Yes, I have not watched it yet. Yeah, I will yeah. though. You should. You should give it a go. If and we ever. I, I'll give it. I'll give it. Uh, like, you know what? We'll do a review on it. In I was a later gonna say. Episode, bonus one episode. Of, one of the things we're talking about doing for our Patreon level number three is doing like a once a month thing where we review a couple movies you know yeah but so, like, because like it's a lot me, of work yes <laughs> i'd like for you to watch that yes and let me know how closely related to because yeah. it seemed like i don't know a lot but it seemed on point to like me. it was good yeah yeah cool <clears throat> kind of like how i was talking about the mummy movie recently and saying that they did a great job because the even the original Mummy movie talks about Imhotep. Mm-hmm. Imhotep was a real person. Mm-hmm. He was a priest, and he was the architect of the first pyramid, which is the uh, step pyramid in Saqqara. And it's where Zoser, Pharaoh Zoser, was buried. Yeah, so I like the fact that they stuck with they stood with like real things and. Um, and then the mummy movies, the ones that I really loved with Brendan Fraser, they they did a great job. I, I like when Hollywood takes the mythology and actually does a really good job with it. Well, most you of the mythology is a really good story already. So, you know, right. And someone job. was just complaining about how we need more movies that are just the Greek and Roman stuff that nobody even knows about because there's so many there's so much more stories out there that have yet to ever be like made into movies and with the technology that we have I want it I want it as much as I want my Corvus movie yeah, Marcus Valerius Corvus Rip the Raven yeah episode. so if we missed any cultures um, just let us know you can hit us up on Facebook Instagram or Twitter and we'll see what we can do about you know doing some side episodes on 
on things that people feel like they want to know more about. I wouldn't I wouldn't be against doing that like as a little as a little thing like take a take a culture and dive into what they think. Uh, yeah, because I only touched star. I only yeah. touched the surface yeah. of Egyptian magic and ghosts, and really. even Mesopotamia. Like you, oh, yeah. you only touched. Oh, there's the so much more. Oh, there's yeah. so much more stuff. Yeah, so there's um, there's definitely. Uh, I I think we could definitely do episodes about like oh, we'll specific see. ones. We shall see. Okay, so our featured band today is uh, from Moscow. And they're called Tigerberry. They were a pretty popular band at one point, and they had some, quote, issues and drama. And now they've sort of been reborn into what is now the new Tigerberry, and their new music is available on Spotify. This one, though, is from their 2013 album called Teenage Crown, and it's called Dead Bodies. so much for listening today spooksters do you have a shout out at all today no because you were in florida i was and you and didn't was... do anything related to that you just had fun yeah i yeah. saw some pictures it was fantastic yes you and shannon were freaking cute as hell we are adorable oh guys seriously so gross mm. they had matching shirts it Be was like jealous it yeah it was adorable it was like Anyway, well, you know what? I'm going to shout out Sticker Mule because we did get our stickers back, as some of you have seen, and I completely forgot to even mention it. But um, they did a great job in assisting me. The back and forth, they were very quick about it. Logos by Nick. Again, huge, huge thank you to that dude. He's amazing. He's actually out of Philadelphia. Um, if you are interested in logo design or you want to know how to use Inkscape or GIMP, please go to Logos by Nick on YouTube. He is amazing. His tutorials are great. He's a fantastic teacher. And something that we're super excited about, we are hooking up with some other podcasts and we're going to be exchanging promos. So you guys will hear after our sponsor, you're going to hear a promo for one of the podcasts that we really enjoy listening to. So we're excited about that. Yeah. And so you guys know, it's not like a network situation. It's just us social networking. Like it's us. Yeah, it's us promoting other podcasts who we think based on our listenership that you guys will probably also enjoy listening to them, too. Yeah. And the one cool thing about podcasting is that uh, there's room for everybody. You know, like no one's really talking specifically about Pennsylvania ghosts. Except us. Except us. And it um, better fucking stay there. there, <laughs> there <laughs> I is. swear to God. Okay. All right. So if you want to join the squad, head on over to patreon.com at Mission Spooky. Or I mean, sorry, slash Mission Spooky. <laughs> we have tiers at the $1 and $2 levels. <laughs> JC's like, I'm so tired. I don't want to do this. <laughs> and he's hungry. He wants his hot dogs and macaroni. Uh, one single book gets you our undying gratitude there you go and a shout out on the cast and the two dollar level right now gets you access to our booper reels and i swear i'm gonna put the rest of them up there if you have any stories ghost stories of anything that's happened to you directly in the woods that would be fantastic because we do have one coming up in a few weeks it's going to be on hawk mountain in lehigh county 
feel free to email us any questions or comments or anything on the previous episodes. And that is at uh, mission spooky podcast, all one word at gmail.com. If you're a PA, New Jersey or Delaware band or hell you're from anywhere, I don't care. And you own your own music and you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please feel free to contact us through private message on Instagram or Twitter. You'll get me, or you can email us directly at mission spooky podcast at gmail.com. You can find all of our musical guest songs on Spotify by typing in Mission Spooky 2020 in the search bar. Just go to our profile. We're continually adding to that. I cannot add today's song by Tigerberry. So I'm going to be adding a couple songs from their new album that was released um, in 2018. I think they have something new for the, uh, 2019 as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mission Spooky and at our Facebook page, which JC rules with. An iron fist. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and uh, be kind to all podcasters. And also rate and review us on Podchaser, please. You can also rate and review us on our Facebook page, too. No one's No one's done it yet. No, we don't have any kind of rating, but we have almost 100 <coughs> followers already on Facebook. And we just launched that. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Uh, taking us out again is the Russian band Tigerberry with Dead Bodies. As I said, this song and others uh, that are pre-2018 can be found on Free Music Archive. And you can support their new efforts on Bandcamp and they're on Spotify. And like I said, we'll be adding a few songs from their new album to to our Spotify playlist. And as always, spooksters, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. Via, if you could, please take the time to carve your message onto a stone tablet and mail it to us. Make sure it's hieroglyphs though. Or just just pictures of butterflies. I'll I'll understand what you mean.